0: We're going to go to the book of Luke chapter number 6 and begin reading with verse number 46. Amen. Thank you all who attended and helped this weekend at a beautiful wedding for Sister Havana, Brother Seth. So thankful and happy what the Lord is doing in their life. Amen. The Lord began to move upon me yesterday woke up this morning and God began to speak a few words to my spirit if you'll just let me unload my heart today we're going to begin with verse 46 and why call ye me lord lord and do not the things which i say whosoever cometh to me and heareth my sayings and doeth them I will show you to whom he is like he is like a man which built an house and dig deep and laid the foundation on a rock And when the flood arose, the stream beat vehemently upon that house and could not shake it, for it was founded upon a rock. But he that heareth and doeth not is like a man that without a foundation built an house upon the earth, against which the stream did beat vehemently, and immediately it fell. And the ruin of that house was great. I want to preach this morning on this thought, the dimension beyond decision. The dimension beyond decision. Lord bless you as you're seated today. Life is full of decisions. You have to make those decisions. You start when you're young. You start deciding what you like and what you don't like. You start developing taste buds and trying different baby foods and and as that progresses you start trying solid foods and you you form opinions and you make decisions i want this and and i want that and and as you grow you make more decisions you start school and and, and life is filled with decisions some people have a hard time making decisions some people uh, they just, they're indifferent. They, the things just don't matter to them. And, and uh, until you say, you may say, where you want to go eat? Well, it don't bother them. It doesn't matter to me. And Then you name a restaurant and they go, no, I don't want that. Well, you just said it, it didn't matter to you. It does matter. You just don't want to make a decision. Life is filled with decisions. I know someone that they, they literally, I don't know if they have a, a condition, but they struggle with making decisions in so much that they have an app on their phone. And that app, it picks a random number. So this is what they do. If they go to a restaurant, they'll count how many dishes are in the section, and they'll put that number in there, and they'll scroll through, and like a spin the wheel, and whatever number it tells them, that's what they order. They go in their closet, and they number their clothes, and they spin the wheel and whatever number, that's what they wear. Now, that's pretty rough that you can't make a decision. i have never struggle with what I'm going to eat. I'm going to eat. I just don't know what it's going to be. But life is filled with decisions. Everywhere you turn, you make a decision. Every day, you make decisions about where you're going to go, what time you're going to get up. You're going to make decisions about what money you're going to spend or whose money you're going to spend. You're going to make decisions. But can I tell you today that the greatest decision that you'll ever face is whether or not you're going to serve the Lord. If you you look all throughout the Bible, the one thing God never took from humanity was the ability to make a decision, the ability to choose. He never took it from Adam and Eve. They had the ability to live in that garden, to tend to that garden, to eat of the fruit of that garden. I don't know how many trees were in the garden, but if God fashioned it and God formed it and there's never been anything like it since, I promise you it was a paradise on earth. And all they had was one rule, and that is don't eat from that one tree. You can eat from all of this. There might have been fish in that stream. They could have ate the fish. They had animals. They had, well, in the Old Testament, in in the Garden of Eden, they ate herbs. So they had herbs. They had all the plants that they could eat. But man, always the default mode is to go to what they can't have. And so when they made a decision to partake of that tree that they were not allowed to eat from, it changed the trajectory of humanity it altered everything. They were dispelled from the garden and and angels with swords of fire were there to guard the Garden of Eden. Man still doesn't know where the Garden of Eden was. And so if you look all throughout the Old Testament, When men made a decision to stand for God and to do what was right, the blessings and the favor of God rested upon their land and it rested upon their family. But when men made a decision to turn away from God and follow after what was right in their own eyes, they were met with destruction. They were met with chaos. They were met with wickedness and with evil. This is why Joshua spoke up and he told them, as for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. I'm I'm making a stand. I'm making a decision that I'm going to serve God. My friend, the greatest decision that you're ever going to make is I'm going to stand for righteousness. I'm going to stand for purity. I'm going to stand for holiness. Let the world do what it wants to do, but I'm going to live for God. Somewhere in your life you had to make a decision. I'm going to go to that altar. I don't care what anybody else does around me. I'm gonna go to that altar. I'm gonna give my life to God. I'm gonna be, I'm gonna repent of my sins. I'm gonna receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. I'm gonna be baptized in Jesus' name according to Acts 238. That didn't just happen. You didn't just show up to church and meander to an altar by accident. You made a decision to live for God. But there's a dimension. That is beyond decision. You can make up your mind. I've made up my mind many times to do a lot of things. i made decisions, but nothing happened. I've made a lot of decisions to do a 40-day fast. Made those decisions, but the fast didn't follow through. I've made the decision to lift weights, Made the decision. Had no problem making the decision. But it was the follow through. See, the dimension beyond decision is doing what you decide to do. Make it up your mind and make a decision. Anybody can decide. You made a decision to wear the clothes that you wore this morning. Decisions are easy. It's the follow through that takes the work. And this is what the scripture says. Jesus said, and why call ye me Lord, Lord? See, we had a wedding yesterday. Sister Havana, she took on the name of her husband, Lassane. And when you made a decision to live for God, you, and you buried with him in baptism... You took on his name, the name of Jesus. So I'm Tyler Stevenson, Jesus. You, your last name is Jesus. You entered into a relationship with God. And, and, and the problem Jesus is facing is, why are you taking on my name? But you're not doing what you said you were going to do. You're calling me Lord, Lord, but you're not doing the things that I say. There's a lot of people that have committed spiritual adultery with God. They took on his name. They got the Holy Ghost and baptized in Jesus' name, and they, they, took, they, they made a decision to be in a relationship with God. But then they never followed through with what it takes to really live for God. And so this is what the book says in Hosea 5 and 4. They will not frame their doings to turn unto their God. For the spirit of whoredom is in the midst of them, and they have not known the Lord. Now, I'm going to get on out there this morning because I'm telling you what I feel in the Holy Ghost. Let me tell you what is ruling in this area. There's a spirit of whoredom that is ruling in this area. I'm not talking just about physical sins, but that is happening. But the spirit of whoredom will cause you to compromise your relationship with God and not keep any of the commitments that you've made unto him. And you commit spiritual adultery because of the spirit of whoredom. You read this book and you search spirit of whoredom, and it's what led Israel astray many, many times. Because they they started following other gods. They started following other things. And they turned their back on the God that brought them out of Egypt. My friend, the spirit of whoredom. You can be on a church pew and you can go to hell because you've been influenced by the spirit of whoredom that's caused you to compromise your relationship with God. I told you I'm going to start getting in the spirit world because the spirit world is real. The spirit. Well, since I have been here, now you may think I'm crazy. I did that. Don't bother me. Since I have been here, I have hit up against that unclean spirit many times. How do I know? Because when I go to praying. I start gagging and throwing up something squeezing my neck like this, like trying to squeeze the life out of me. It happened this morning when I knew what I was going to preach. I was in that prayer room and I started praying in the Holy Ghost and here it comes. It starts creeping its fingers around my neck trying to choke the life out of me. But you know what? I've got more authority than the unclean spirit. I've got more authority than the spirit of whoredom. I commanded that unclean spirit. It's it's dwelt too long in this church. It's dwelt too long in Catholic perish and I declare that the back of the enemy is going to be broken in the name of Jesus here's my job this morning my job as a shepherd is to comfort the afflicted and to afflict the comfortable Because too many people have allowed the enemy, like the Pied Piper, they just following the music, and the enemy is leading people straight to hell because they become comfortable in religion. They become comfortable just going to church. They were raised in church, and you know what comfort is to the soul, what the comfort is to the body. It is what's going to place you in in this earth, and it's going to confine you, and it's going to restrict you. I'm telling you this morning, I'm not satisfied with where we've been as a church, but we got to go places in the Holy Ghost. The only way we're going to see revival is we're going to break the back of this wicked one. we got to take a dominion and authority over the unclean and the spirit of whoredom. I'm talking about good people. Tithe paying, offering paying people. Faithful of the house of God, but they're going to go to hell. Because the spirit of whoredom has convinced them that they can do what they want to do during the week and they can still come to church. And as long as they can feel the presence of God, then everything's okay. That's a lie from the pits of hell. That's a lie. And what happens is when you start entertaining the spirit of whoredom, And you start entertaining that spirit that says, oh, you're good. God loves you. You can still mess up. You can have an affair on God. You can commit adultery on God. As long as you repent, you're fine. Well, people get in a cycle where they'll mess up, repent, go back to God. Mess up, repent, go back to God. And they get stuck in this cycle. And they convince themselves, as long as I repent, I'm fine. You're entertaining the spirit of whoredom. You're you're calling him Lord, Lord, but you're not doing the things that he's saying. You're not doing what God, what that book says to do. You made a decision, but you haven't stepped in that dimension beyond decision, which is following through on what you said you were going to do. Anybody can get the Holy Ghost, but not everybody can live for God. That's why the Bible says many are called but few are chosen. This is what that means. Many are called, but few choose to do something with their calling. And Then when you do something with that calling, if you read in Revelation, when the army of God comes back with the Lord at Armageddon, it says called, chosen, faithful. It means they were faithful in doing what they said they were going to do. This book right here, This book is not just a book of history. This is how to live for God. It's how to be successful in walking with the Lord. Mm. Let me just keep on going just for a little while. So the spirit of whoredom that has invaded the church, do you realize that there are people possessed all around us? demon-possessed. Just because they're not foaming like a snake and slithering like a snake doesn't mean they're not possessed. we got to have enough spiritual sensitivity about us to know what's going on. This whole area, this whole area, when you start driving from Ellick getting here, it starts getting weightier and darker. All around. And it's a spirit of perversion. It's a spirit of whoredom. It's an unclean spirit. Unclean. How many people do you know of in this whole area that has been affected? Remember when I told you what happens in the physical is a mirror of the spiritual? And they they have fornicated and committed adultery in the physical. And that's just a, it shows you what's happening in the spirit. Spirit of whoredom. Spirit of whoredom. Okay. Now, that, you, there is three levels. There's obsession, oppression, and possession. Just because someone messes up doesn't mean they're possessed. You can be influenced, mess up, get right with God, and keep on going and living for God. I'm not talking about someone who messes up because if we eliminated everybody that just messed up, nobody would make it to heaven. I'm talking about people whose life is continually going the wrong way. Continually going. It starts with obsession. But if you keep entertaining it, it comes to oppression. And then if you keep entertaining it, it leads to possession. Okay? And just because someone talks in tongues doesn't mean they got the Holy Ghost. because Satan can mimic tongues. And just because they say that Jesus is Lord doesn't mean that, uh, that they're not possessed because the, the, the seven sons of Scema, this is what the, the demon spoke out. He said, Jesus, I know. Paul, I know. Who are you? Right? What the book says. We have to understand the spirit, the severity of the spirit world. When things start happening in the physical, I remember one, I remember one revival I went to where God woke me up to show me how strong the spirit world was. I was going to a place by Galveston. And it's like Galveston is like New Orleans. It's one of the seats of Satan in the world. It's nasty, it's perverted. And I was going towards there, and I got in my truck to pull my trailer. Never had a problem with my truck. And on the way there, the engine blew up in my truck. Okay. Enemy didn't want me going to that place. I get, I get down to that place, air conditioner's going out in my RV. Stepped on my glasses while I was praying. I mean, one thing after the other. Things started happening. But you know what God did during that revival? God yanked the cover off of what was stopping revival in that church because I was preaching one night, and I said, God is fixing to expose what's stopping this church from having revival. Between that service and the next service, the spirit of perversion was released in that church, and people had been watching pornography in the church on the sound computer, and it had infiltrated all the computers in the church and shut down the main Internet server. You know what? God yanked the cover. That church still is not having revival. Things that happen in the physical, not everything is an attack from the enemy. But I do know this. There are some things that are attacks of the enemy in the physical. And we can't just stick our head in the sand and say, oh, that's just a coincidence. That's just a coincidence. No. My friend, when we start moving as a church into greater dimensions and revival and we start attacking those unclean spirits and we start attacking the spirit of whoredom, don't you think for a moment that that's just going to ease up and say, all right, y'all have revival? No. Hell's going to unleash its fury, but there has to be a church that rises up and said, we're going to have revival. We're going to have revival. We're going to have revival. Watch this. Whosoever cometh to me heareth my sayings and doeth them. This is what Jesus said I will show you to whom he is like. He that hears, but he goes beyond just hearing, he's going to do. He is like a man which built a house and digged down way deep and laid the foundation on a rock. When the flood arose, the stream beat vehemently upon that house. It could not shake it, for it was founded upon a rock. First house, dug down deep. The person that does what the book says and doesn't just hear what the book says. Jesus said that what they're really doing is they're getting rid of all that scraping away at the surface. They're getting down to some good soil, and they're going to start building that foundation. But then the one that hears, same word. They heard the same preaching, read the same book. The only difference was one did what the book said. The other just heard what it says. Jesus said they built a house and they just went and be like going outside on the grass and just throwing a house up on the grass, on the earth. The houses looked the same. They faced the same storms, the same floods. All of that was the same. But the difference was the foundation that it was built upon. You know, there's people that sit in the same services, hear the same word, hear the same songs. They hear all the same stuff. But sooner or later, one's going to be a heap of ruins because they're not going to be able to withstand when things start shaking. You realize there's people not going to come back to church after this pandemic? Not just here, I'm talking about at large. There's people not going to go back because the foundation wasn't right. And when things begin to shake, they couldn't handle it. This is what the Bible says. Let no man deceive you by any means, for that day shall not come except there come a falling away first and that man of sin be revealed, the son of perdition before the Antichrist steps to the scene, before that son of perdition comes to fruition, there's going to be a shaking going on. You know what that shaking's going to do? It's going to expose the foundation in people's lives. It's going to to determine the ones that just said he was Lord and the ones that showed he was Lord. That's what's going to happen. It's happening right now. It's going to continue to happen. It's going to be a sifting. It's going to be a shaking. Because anybody can say it, but it takes somebody else to go beyond the decision and say, I'm going to show it. I'm going to do what this book said. Let me ask you this. Is he Lord, Lord in your prayer life? Or you just say he is? Because if he's Lord in your prayer life, then it's going to be evident in your conduct. It's going to be evident. You can't show me people that, that don't that they pray right because their life is evident by how they pray. You show me someone who's not living right, and I can show you that their prayer life is suffering. Because your conduct is directly related to your prayer life. Your prayer life. Is he Lord, Lord in all manner of conversation? I'm not going to start meddling this morning. I'm trying to be mindful of the time. But this is what I know. I know that if you're going to be a child of God, then your conduct and your speech should be fitting to a child of God. In public and in private. This is what the book says, Second Peter. Three eleven. seeing then that all these things shall be dissolved, what manner of persons ought ye to be in all holy conversation and godliness? You see, we've equated holiness to rules. Holiness is not rules. Holiness is a heart issue. Godliness is is the well from which holiness begins to flow. If all you do is measure holiness by sleeve length, skirt length, hair length, you might look the part, but you could ignore godliness. Godliness or God-likeness, meaning I'm wanting to be like him. If you get godliness where it needs to be, holiness will start flowing where it needs to be. And then you don't need rules. You do it because you want to please God in all manner of conversation and holiness and godliness. I've been here almost two years now. I've lost track of how many times I see people throughout town and they start telling me how people from the church act and how they speak. I'm not labeling everybody. You know what? You may not think people notice. People notice. People notice. This is what I always said. People are already holding the gun. They're just waiting on you to give them the ammo. People notice. When you walk out of your door, everybody's watching. Everybody's looking. They're looking to see how you act, but more importantly, they're looking to see how you react. I have talked to people who said people from this church And they begin to describe things that they said and things that they did. And and I was ashamed for the person. And it wasn't even me. And this is what I say. Well, you know what? Let's just pray. There's bad doctors. There's bad lawyers. There's bad preachers. Don't label everybody by one person. If you're going to call him Lord, Lord, then you need to make sure your speech, your conduct, needs to be in line with this book right here. This is what Billy Cole, Many of you know Billy Cole, you've heard of Billy Cole. Billy Cole, towards the end of his life, he was mightily used of God all over the world. Hundreds of thousands received the Holy Ghost under his ministry. Many, many, many miracles and faith was released in his ministry. Preacher went to see him, and I know the preacher went to see him. Not long before he died. And he was weeping. And he said, "Oh brother, He said, last night Jesus came into my room. He came and visited me. Brother Cole was weeping, could hardly talk. And he said, "Lord Jesus, he said, "I hope I pleased you." He said, "I've, I've tried my best to mirror the apostles to act like the apostles, to do what the apostles did, to have faith like the apostles. He said, I tried my best to do like the apostles. And he said, the Lord Jesus looked at me and spoke to me. He said, yes, Billy. He said, you did. I just wish you would have been more like me. That's what it's all about. We don't pattern our life after the apostles. Yes, we can glean from what they did and from how they operated. But the only person that we need to measure ourselves against is the Lord Jesus Christ. And if we're not matching up to him, and something's wrong. And I can promise you, it's not wrong with him. It's with us. It's with us. This is what Jesus said. Ye have not chosen me, I have chosen you and ordained you that ye should go and bring forth fruit. But watch this. It's not enough to produce fruit. He said, I've ordained you that you should go and bring forth fruit and that your fruit should remain. Do you realize that God wants you to produce fruit through all four seasons? when he went to the fig tree and it saw that it was withered, you know what the Bible says? For the time of figs was not yet. It wasn't even the season for figs to be showing up. But Jesus got mad at it and he cursed it. Because the Bible says that we should bring forth fruit and fruit should remain. We should be bearing fruit. Consistently, all year long, our fruit should remain. Jesus knew it, what the time of figs, but he's showing them that I want you to produce year round. I want you to produce fruit. He said, I called you and I chose you and I ordained you that you should produce fruit. If we're going to be who God wants us to be, we can't just be hearers of the word. Because James said this, be doers of the word and not hearers only. Watch those last two words. Deceiving yourself. Do you know there's people sitting on church pews that are deceived? Because they think that they're doing okay they're not. They're deceived because they equate knowledge with action. Knowledge is not action. You can have knowledge about all kinds of things, but not be able to do it. I can tell you how to play golf. I just can't play golf. I can tell you how to fish. So can you. I can't fish. I can tell you how to do a lot of things. But just because you have knowledge of it doesn't mean you can do it. You have to take that knowledge, what you've heard, and you have to put it into action in your life. And you have to start doing what you know to do. Stand with me this morning. What needs to happen today is that we do a hard evaluation of our life. Are we just lip servants or are we life servants? Do we just say what's right or do we show what's right? Anybody could say it. It takes someone else to show it. Just because you feel God and you talk in tongues doesn't mean you're right with God. does not mean you're right with God. There's going to be people standing before the Lord, and they said, Lord, we did this in your name. We cast out devils in your name. We did all of this stuff in your name. And he's going to say, depart from me. I never knew you. We have, been, we have drank the Kool-Aid of inspiration in the day in which we live. We want to be inspired. And we want to view God as a God of grace and a God of love and a God of favor. And now people are painting this picture of God that is only one-dimensional. And they're leaving off the wrath and the judgment of God. And they don't want to preach against sin. They don't want to preach against wrongdoing because we don't want to offend people. Do you know that men have been sued by people because they called out their sin in public? There was a day when you did that, people would run to an altar. Now they'll sue you if you expose their unrighteousness. We are living in the day that the Bible said men would call good evil and evil good. There's now an agenda being pushed in the western state, Colorado, and all over. With a six-color rainbow, remember, God made a rainbow with seven colors because seven's a number of completion. But the rainbow that the alternative lifestyle uses is six colors because six represents sin and incompletion. It's not coincidence. And now they're pushing for legal pedophilia because they say love is love between an old man and a young man and a little boy, and they're pushing for this to be legalized in the world, in the United States. Men would call good evil and evil good. There's an uprising in the spirit world. And I believe if the world is going to push their agenda, the church has to push our agenda. We have to be the church in a dark world. We're not conforming to their standards. We're not conforming to their ideologies. We are called out. We are chosen. But we can't just say it. We have to show have to be the body of Christ we have to be who God called us to be let me say this I'm thankful for everyone that's here I'm thankful for Sunday morning church but Sunday morning church is no less than Sunday night church or Wednesday night church or Monday night church I believe our prayer room should still be active I believe our energy and our worship should still be active There's no service that's greater than the other. All are equal opportunities for God to move and for God to touch. Amen. Heads bowed and eyes closed all over the building, please.